All right, so here's the deal. Um, I said this in the very beginning. We don't have, we don't have a kids uh, area today. We have all the kids up here. So when we hear kids crying today during the service, we're certainly not going to get annoyed. We're not going to get upset. We're just going to say, this is what it was like for Mary 2,000 years ago. Because that, that, that little uh, song, Silent Night, that's a big lie. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus screamed it out. He was not a perfect baby, no crying he made. So um, what we're going to do is when we hear babies, we're just going to let that be like planned by Remedy Church to feel like the mood for us that we can think, oh, that's what it was like 2000 years ago. I'm, I'm even more now at the place where the manger was. So just let those baby cries be that for you. All right, let me pray. And then we're going to jump into the word tonight. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for his coming. Thank you for you being a father that loved your son so much that you would still give him. Lord, I pray for myself. Would you help me tonight bring a fresh word? Something, Lord, that um, would be helpful for us all would be for those who don't know Christ tonight, Lord, that it would be something that you would use to draw them in. It would either save their souls tonight or plant a seed that one day they will meet Jesus. Help me tonight bring a fresh word on such a familiar story. God, enable me, please, to speak by the Spirit on your behalf. I want to be used by you mightily. Lord, I, pr- I pray that at the end of the time that we have, that you would bring myself and all of us to a point of response. In whatever way you desire and however that looks, that we would not just hear and that's it, but we would be brought to a point of response where we must say, yes, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to be forgiven. I want to know Christ. Or if we already are, I want to be a fully engaged worshiper of Christ. And whatever stage of life I'm in, I want this, this time of my life and from henceforth to be a full engaged worshiper of Christ. Would you grant that to us tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I've, got, I've got a confession that I need to make publicly um, and I just need to know that this is a safe place to make public confessions. Um, confessions are tough for all of us, I think. And uh, for me especially, they're, they're hard, they're painful, they're dreadful to do. And to people, and no one definitely wants to do it. So I have to make a confession to you. Now, I just want to know, is this going to be all right to, to be able to do this? Um, yesterday... I, uh, I, don't, I don't know. My wife's already shaking my head at me, so I'm not sure it's a safe place. So yesterday, let me go ahead and tell you my confession is this. I am not a seatbelt wearer. Those, that just, that is not for me. It, it drives me crazy. I want to think that it's a good idea, but, and I, I understand that, you know, it saves your life and all this kind of stuff, but it annoys me and I forget all the time and I wasn't really raised wearing it. Well, my dad's going to hear this and one day and yell at me. So, but I really wasn't. Um, and so I'm going to tell you something about Whatever it is that's going on in your life uh, that you know is not right, like for me, it's that. And I, I, I even on the drive, I'm not lying, on the drive here today, almost all the way here, I got to a point to where I was like, oh, I don't have my seatbelt on. And I mean, I was 10 minutes, I was almost all the way here. And the only reason I, I remembered is because I saw a cop. I saw a cop, I was like, oh, seatbelt. And so yesterday, anyway, um, they catch up with you one day. They catch up with you because yesterday I didn't get not just a warning like usual. I got myself a nice fat $25 ticket for not wearing my seatbelt. And so the great thing about that is I had two of my kids in the car with me. And so um, 
they, of course, after that, when we're pulling off, Dad, do you have your seatbelt on? We're driving down the road uh, to go see the lights at the zoo at yesterday evening, and we saw way off in the distance um, on the interstate blue lights, and immediately, Dad, you have your seatbelt on, right? There's blue lights. And so everywhere now, um, the thing about whenever you confess is, is that everyone knows, and whenever you do something wrong, JC, my oldest, actually, I had to go somewhere else, got a sticky pad, no doubt, and wrote, buckle up and put it on my on my on my steering wheel for me so that whenever I went back out there, buckle up, dad, or else you'll see blue lights. So um, confession's tough. And I needed to come here and bring that to you today um, because at the end of today, whether you're a follower of Christ or not a follower of Christ, I'm hoping that the Lord's going to bring you to a time of confession and response. And I know that it's tough. And I'm kind of using a little silly illustration to bring that forward. But when we get to our time at the end of today, Um, I'm hoping that the Lord would soften your heart because here's the thing that I totally believe. God really wants to speak to you tonight. I don't I don't doubt that in my mind at all. You wouldn't be here at a a Christmas Eve service if you are a believer or not a believer, if the Lord didn't want to speak to you tonight. Um, And holiday time, especially Christmas time, Christmas time can be busy. It can be a really full time. There's so many things going on. And so I'm encouraging you and I'm hoping that you're going to, for this next half hour, at least, maybe, maybe longer, um, allow your minds to slow down, allow, allow your thoughts to slow down. And just for the next few moments, I want you to ask the Lord to help you listen because he really wants to speak with you tonight. He wants to move and into your heart and talk to you tonight. And I have one goal tonight and one goal only. Um, and it's pretty simple. I want you (coughs) tonight to worship the king. That's what I want. Wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, I want you to worship the king. The king is Jesus. And that's who I want you to worship to tonight. Worship tonight. Whether you know him deeply, I want you to worship him deeply. Whether you don't know him at all and you're not a worshiper of the king, I want you to worship him. So kids, go ahead and pull out your, your pages. And I want you to um, read this and, and over the next little bit while I'm talking to your, your mom and dad, um, I want you to answer some of these questions and then spend a good, I want you to, I mean, I want you to color this page like it's, like it's nobody's business. Make this your personal Picasso, like make it awesome. Don't just color it in about three seconds and be done. I want you to take a good 30 minutes to spend on that, outlining it out, making everything, get, give me lots of time here while I can have your parents' attention for me. All right, so um, that's what we're going to be doing here because I want you to worship. And what we're going to do here is maybe look at a little bit, uh, maybe it's a little bit different story, uh, normally used. Um, this isn't the, the traditional Luke 2 where Linus comes out and he reads the Christmas story. This is all kind of before where Mary gets a visit from the angel. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to be at verse 26. Verse 26. And <clears throat> this is the, the foretelling of the birth of Christ. Whenever um, the angel comes to Mary and lets her know what's going on. And if you're in verse 26, um, you can you can turn there and you can look at it with me. It says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And this is the sixth month. If you're wondering if you just kind of shoot your eyes up to verse 24, you can see it's talking about Elizabeth. Um, and so this is her cousin Elizabeth's sixth month of pregnancy. And so in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel came and uh, said to her, said to a virgin betrothed to a man. This is betrothed is um, engaged. 
Uh, it's like engagement today, but if you're engaged back then and you wanted to break off the engagement, you actually had to get a divorce. So it's a little bit more, um, a little bit more than just an engagement like today. It's, it's, it's a little bit more uh, meaning to it. And it says that they were betrothed um, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, who was also, by the way, of the house of David. Um, and the angel came and he said to her, he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, um, my goal today, as I said, is for you, as we're looking at this, to be a worshiper, to, to leave being a worshiper. And we're going to look at a pretty crazy conversation. Um, I'm going to hopefully uh, use this text, or the Lord will, which is a pretty crazy conversation. Like if, if, a, if a teenage girl came to your workplace and said, so um, I'm, she's a t- teenager, and she said, I'm pregnant with, with God, and um, I know this because an angel came and told me. You would say, <laughs> you would say you're, you're crazy, like you're insane. And so if we kind of really take a step back, we think to ourselves, this is a pretty crazy conversation. Um, and so because this is the word of God, this crazy conversation, I believe, can be used by God in your life to change your perspective, maybe, and help you leave to be a worshiper, whether you know him or not today. And so this is this is what he says. Greetings, O favored one. Now, she's probably thinking, I don't feel very favored right now because I'm a poor teenage mom. Um, I'm engaged. Uh, I'm pregnant. And it's not from my 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 husband to be. As a matter of fact, it's not from anyone. And so I'm not feeling very favored at all. I'm trying to figure what, what's out what's going on here. And it says, oh, favored one. And then it says, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. So I'm hoping when we see this text, the Lord is with you. We think this, this lady who has a ton of things that we could consider to be pretty complicated problems in her life. She's being told the Lord is with you. And all of you are desperate for that. Whether you want to admit it or not, we're all desperate to be able to say, I really want this to be true of me. I want the Lord to be with me. In my, in my major complicated life where I have lots of problems going on, what I really desire, what I really want to be true of me is that the Lord is present in my life. The Lord is with me because sometimes, whether I just had a, a horrible divorce happen over this, this month or this year, I just got the news of my mom being sick or someone in my family or maybe you're sick or you just had um, a terrible year because you lost your job and things are complicated and there's lots of problems and you look at th- texts like this and you say, the Lord is with you and you say, that's exactly what I want right now because I don't feel close to the Lord. I feel distant from the Lord and when I want this, I want the Lord to be with me because I know that if the Lord is with me, then what you're saying is true. I will leave here worshiping the King. His closeness to me somehow makes me feel more close to him. And then I feel his presence saying the Lord is with me. And then I am a worshiper. I am a worshiper. So we have ourselves a little bit of something that's going on because Jesus didn't come to make your complicated life less complicated. Because for those who have come to Christ and they can say the Lord is with me, they know that that doesn't mean their life becomes less complicated. This is going to be on the screen, and I want you to read this. I, 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 um, I wrote this, and I'm hoping that it's going to hit you. It says, Jesus didn't come to make all your complications and problems easier. 
He came to make the one problem, which is sin. The one problem of your life be completely gone. Your life might not change at all. There's a story um, in World War II where many people were still in prison, were prisoners of war. And this was very, getting towards the very end of the close of the World, of the world War, um, where the prisoners of war being held by fences and everything um, by the Germans, they, they felt a weight on their shoulders. Life was tough. Life was very complicated. Things were bad. And they felt the despair on their shoulders. But then all of a sudden, there was a clear day where everything suddenly changed. Everything changed. The situation had not changed. They were still behind the gates. They were still completely malnourished. But something, the spirit of the people changed. What had happened was, someone had snuck in a a, a radio. And they heard that the Allied forces had landed. And that they were making their move across. And people were were being free and liberation was coming. News came. And though everything still felt the exact same, the sheer fact that news came changed. So news is going to hopefully come to you tonight. When news comes externally, things can all still be the exact same, but internally everything can change. That's the power of news. And what I want you to hear is though you might have a complicated life like Mary and things might be (laughs) crazy. You lost your job. You got bad news. You you are going through a divorce or I don't know. Something is complicated in your life more than likely. But the news can come. The good news, the one major thing that can change, which is the sin in your life can change. And though your world still might be complicated, this this movement of good news in your life, when you hear it, will change the one thing that matters and internally Everything changes, even though externally nothing changes. Look at this. Verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She tried to discern. She's thinking, um, why am I favored? This doesn't sound like being favored. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that that God's going to be. Uh, God, I'm sorry. Joseph is going to be pretty upset with me about these kinds of things whenever he hears these things. And we're going to. You can see that later. What happens? She's trying to discern why is this suddenly going to be great news? And then it says in thirty, verse thirty, and it says the angel said to her, "Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You have found favor. This word favor um, in the original language. This was." This book was written in, in Greek. Uh, this, yeah, this book was written in Greek. Not the whole book of the Bible, but this book, Luke, was written in Greek. And this word favor is actually charis, grace. You have found grace is what it's saying. So let's, let's re-look at it again. It says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace with God. So gr- Mary has literally, um, as she's bringing forth grace into the world. She's also uh, carrying Jesus, carrying God himself. And this is an act of grace. So this is kind of a two pronged grace, if you will. The first thing is that it's grace that God has shown you that you get to carry Jesus in you. That's pretty awesome. And not only is it that it's blessing for your life, but also it's going to be a blessing of grace for everyone in the world, because this man is 
is God himself. He's going to live a perfect life and go to the cross. Look what it says for us um, right after that. It says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. In the Greek, Jesus. In the Hebrew, Yeshua. Or the word Joshua. It's been translated for us in Hebrew in the Old Testament. The Lord saves is what this means. Jesus, you should call him the Lord saves. Why is it that we're going to call him the Lord saves? Well, Matthew and Matthew 1 takes this and Matthew kind of explains it to us just a little bit when he says in Matthew and, and that um, narrative of the story, it says you will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Well, Matthew says that Luke says that, but Matthew continues on for us. A little bit more of that explanation when he says, you'll call him name Jesus. And this is what he says, Matthew 21. For you shall call his name, his, his name Jesus. And for all of us who are studying Matthew, I've, I've gone to this sentence over and over ad nauseum. You know the rest. For he will save his people from their sins. For he will save his people from their sins. So as we're reading this story here. This grace that's being showed to Mary and this grace that's being extended to all of us, the grace that's being extended to every single one of us is this. You can be saved from your sins. Whatever's going on in your life, whether it's complicated or whether it's pretty simple, the biggest complication in your life, the biggest problem in your life is not all these news things that are going on, whether you've lost your job or whatever. The biggest thing in your life is a sin problem. Every single one of us are sinners. And in the very beginning, I said, I have a confession for you. (laughs) And I know it kind of made light about it. But here's the deal. You have to realize and recognize that you're a sinner. You have to say, I'm ready to confess that I'm a sinner. And we can all admit this. It's not a very complicated thing. If How many of you ever in your life said, yes, I know that I've sinned? I mean, we can all say, yes, I know that I've sinned. But here's the deal. You don't have to stay in just the recognition of sin. You don't have to say, yes, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong before God and there's nothing I can do. Here's the here's the story. Look what he says. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus or the Lord saves. And look what he says after this. He will be great. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. Look, look at this word right here. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. We've already entered a little bit now. If you spend any time in, in America here over the last year, at least, we've already already entered into this political season where there's ads popping up and everybody's trying to tell you what's going on and you should go after this politician, you go after this politician, Republican or Democrat, I don't know where you are, but one thing I do know is even if your guy wins, in four years or eight years, he's going to be out of office. Like That's just the way it works. Whoever you vote for, you, I mean, I have, we all have strong opinions about who we think should, should be in office. And that's not the point. My point is this, whoever you support, He might be reelected, but he is always going to lose eventually or he's going to just his time's going to run out. And if that's the case, ultimately, that is no guy to follow. 
Ultimately, that is no person to follow. The only person that's really ultimately the person we should follow, the only king, and I know we have kind of presidents here in America, but if we lived in other countries, we would understand a little bit more about this idea of king. The only king who is the one who's worth to follow is the one who's not every king that's ever lived died. They're all their reigns in. But look at this. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So if there is a king to follow, it's Jesus. Because his rule and reign will never end. Now, here's where I want you to follow with me. All right. I've said we can all admit that we have a sin problem and we all need to um, find forgiveness. We all need to be willing to say, "Okay, um, yes, I'm a sinner. And I confess here in front of everyone that I've done something wrong, whether it's um, Lie, cheat. I mean, you can go down the Ten Commandments. But the problem isn't just these, pro- these sin, these external things you have. That's not your main problem. The sins in your life is not the problem. The problem is that you're a sinner. It's what's going on internally. That we've all been born in the line of Adam. And every single one of us needs to have our, our nature changed. We, are, we need to have our old man who is a sinner, changed and become a new man. And only Christ can do this because he went to the cross for us and he lived a perfect life. And whenever he went to the cross and died, this death that he died for us should have been you and me because you've sinned, because you've done something, a sin at all, at at any time in your life, that is, that has taken you and that has removed you from the presence of the Lord. You have no rest. And I know if you're, if you've never been forgiven, if you've never found Christ, if you're not a Christian, I know that whenever you're going through life, Whenever you go to sleep at night, there are certain seasons like Christmas or Easter or whatever that remind you even more that you have this shaking in your heart where you need to be forgiven for your sin. You need to find someone or some way to feel better, to make it go away. Because you know that because of these sins, you should have been punished. Well, here's the deal. Christ, when he lived this perfect life, eventually went to the cross and died. And he took all of your sin for you. Now, here's the great news. When he took the great when he took all your sin for you and died that death, he raised three days later and defeated Satan's sin and death for you on your behalf. And if you would, as I've said, confess, put your faith in Jesus, repent of your sin, confess that you're a sinner, confess that you can't find forgiveness on your own. It's not through doing good works. It's not through anything else, but only because he has gone to the cross and died for you. If you would put your faith in that, you can become a sinner. I'm sorry, you can become you can become a Christian, you can become saved, you can become um, someone who is not going to experience eternal punishment. If you don't do that, what happens is the Bible tells us if we don't put our faith in Christ, every single person person that's ever lived, if they don't put their faith in Christ, what happens is whenever they die, there is reserved for them, along with Satan and his demons, eternal punishment. They will be forever, eternally, consciously tormented. They will be separated from Jesus and they will be put there forever. But you don't have to have that be your future. Instead, if you put your faith in Christ, that will be taken away and you can be forgiven forever. Now, here's the thing. When it says that his name is Jesus, the Lord saves, this salvation that comes to us is not temporary. Not like any other president is always temporary. Since his rule and reign is forever Since Jesus' rule and reign is forever, then the forgiveness that he extends, the salvation that he extends to you is forever. 
That's pretty good news. That's really good news. And when that kind of news comes to us, when finally the news is that the aching in my soul, the realization that I'm a sinner is in me and I realize that I need to be forgiven. And someone just brings me this good news and says, Jesus Christ is the one who who can forgive that sin, who can rip out this shaking, this unruliness, this longing in my soul for forgiveness. He's the one that can give it to me and take away all the wrath that was supposed to be given to me because it was given to him on the cross and I can experience good news. Then all of a sudden, when we're trapped in that prison, the externals might not change. You still might be without a job. You still might have cancer. You still might need to figure out how to reconcile that relationship. Externally, things might be the same. Internally, everything has changed. The soul longs for good news. And when it hears it, it awakens worship. And so, when we hear this, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. If you don't know Christ tonight, I'm extending an invitation to you that you can experience forgiveness for the very first time. You can live eternally in this kingdom. Why would I want to live eternally in this kingdom? Why this kingdom? Because he's the king of the world. He's the one who willingly came and lived a perfect life and died for you and me on our behalf and, and did it willingly and because he did it, whenever we finally get wind of this good news and we say, I can experience life forever, I can be forgiven for everything, that's, that's going to awaken certain affections in you that even though you still might be in the complicated mess of your problems, internally everything's going to change and we want you to worship. We want you to find yourself as in this hustle and bustle of, of maybe a tough time here um, at Christmas time, that you can be leaving as a worshiper. The Lord says that He has come to save you from your sin. Confession isn't easy, as I said, but this is the process. Let me read one text of Scripture to you, and then we're going to go into um, a time where we'll take the Lord's Supper as a as a family. This is from Romans chapter ten, and this is kind of. Uh, finishing up the, the idea for us that we need to confess and repent. And if we confess our sins and repent of our sins, then the Lord will forgive us right here in this room, in this place tonight. And eternally, you can be forgiven and eternally everything will change. Everything will change. Externally, things might not change. Internally, everything will change. And eternally, everything will change. You will be with Christ forever, forgiven in heaven for the rest of your life. Listen to this verse. This is Romans chapter 10. It says, The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me read that one more time. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, 
one confesses and is saved. So wherever you are in life right now, I mean, honestly, you may think to yourself, I have some pretty complicated stuff going on in my life. The sin that I'm in is is huge. There is no sin in your life that's going on that can't be forgiven by Christ. There's nothing going on in your life that Christ isn't bigger than because his rule and reign is forever. And his payment that he made when he died for you, he sacrificed himself for you on the cross is so huge that there is no sin that you've done where all of God's grace isn't sufficient to cover it. That's incredible news. And so what I want to do as we go into our our time of um, maybe response and thought, and then we're going to go into our time of Lord's Supper, there's going to be a chance for you to respond later on. And this is how I want you to be thinking. Um, Whatever's going on in your life, if you're saying right now, you know what, I know that I don't know Christ. I know that I need to know Christ. This message is something that I've never heard before. This, this message is called the gospel. It's just the good news that Jesus came and died for you. And if you put your faith in him, you can be forgiven forever. This is a message I've never heard. I thought I had to do good things in order to do good things. And if I had enough good things that outweighed my bad things, then God would be happy with me. And that's how I go to heaven. It has nothing to do with your performance whatsoever. It has everything to do with what God has done already in Christ 2,000 years ago. And his advent, his coming and living the perfect life. It has everything to do with that. If you've, This is a message you've never heard before. Then as we go into our time later on, I want you to... Um, find me later on after the service. Find the person you came with. Uh, however, and I want you to tell them, I need to know Christ. If you want, during, during the song, uh, the first song that we sing, I'll be down front. If you want to come talk to me during that song, then please feel free to come do that and talk to me so I can tell you how you can start right now a relationship with Christ and how you can become a Christian today and be forgiven eternally. And I'm promising you now, I'm promising you, things might not change in your complicated life. But internally, everything will change. Let's pray. God, we thank you for. We thank you for your son who came. And we thank you that as we read a text where. There's a. A teenage girl that hears that she's found favor. It's not because she's done anything amazing. She was a. A poor peasant girl, very young, but she had found favor in your eyes. She had found grace and the grace that she had received was the fact that she had had been given God himself into her and she was going to carry him and then eventually give birth to him and that he, God, would live a perfect life and go to a cross and die for us, for your children. But it didn't stop there. Of course, he rose three days later, defeating death itself. And so we know that sin has been ultimately defeated in our life and we can receive eternal life. What a great message. What a great story. But it's not just a story. This is real. And we thank you for it. I pray, Lord, that 
those here who have heard this message, this gospel news, this good news for the very first time, God, that you would begin moving in their hearts right now, opening up their eyes to the fact that they might not be believers. They might not know Christ. Maybe they've kind of lived a a life thinking that they were a Christian culturally, but they don't know him. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal that to them and that they would want Christ. They would want forgiveness today. Lord, would you save them today? What a beautiful time that as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, your son, we can also celebrate with them the new birth of Christ in their life where they became Christians. Would you grant salvation this evening? And for us, Lord, who know you already. And we think on the fact that. (laughs) The greatest problem in our life has already been solved. That should create worship in our hearts. The holidays can bring troubles. (laughs) We have to think about in-laws and family, and sometimes that's complicated. Sometimes we have family members who are sick. There's lots of things going on that are tough, and you've promised us as followers of Christ that life will not get easier as we follow Jesus. But the one issue, the biggest problem in our life, our sin has already been taken away. Lord, remind us of that afresh tonight and help us remember not to get so distraught about all the things that are going on in life because the biggest thing in life has been solved and we can leave here being worshipers of Jesus, deeper followers and worshipers of Jesus. Good news changes everything about a soul. We thank you for that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.